and welcome to the 15th episode of the Coleman's Podcast. I'm Rhino Callahan, and I was lucky enough to catch up with Connor Harris recently and have a chat about his life experiences and his time on Davies Toughest Team. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. So, um, first of all, thanks very much for coming on to the podcast, Connor. Yeah, no problem at all, Ryan. The team, when you asked me, I said I'd do it straight away. You know, I don't mind coming on to these podcasts, but I have a lot coming up now at the moment, so I'm just trying to manage them. But, you know, I, I enjoy doing so I had no problem coming on. Yeah, we're very glad that you chose ours to come on to anyway. But um, so first, we'll just start off. Could you just tell us a bit about yourself and your experiences with everything? Yeah, so look, my name is obviously Connor Harris. So I'm 21 and, you know, I live in a, I live in a small family, well, a big enough family, a family of seven of us. And, you know, I don't live at home or anything like that anymore. You know, my, my experiences as a kid, as you all know, I've suffered a bit with mental health. I've suffered a bit with drug addiction and, you know, things happened in my life when I was younger that uh, I couldn't really face. You know, I was I was a young a young kid at the time when when my parents had split up and stuff like that. And, you know, I didn't take it very well. You know, it had a big effect on me because at the time, you know, when he left, I just I closed up. You know, I didn't speak to anyone about it. I was I was very I was very afraid of the world after you know they split up because you know I was living in a house of four girls then and it was like. I can't really show them that I'm weak or anything like that. I can't show them that there's anything going on in my head because if I do, I feel like I've let them down. You know, I'm I'm the man of the house here now, so I have to do everything to try keep things on track. And that went on for a long time. You know, it didn't. It never really changed. That went on for you know the the guts of my life. You know, it was just me. I was like a champagne bottle. That's the way I describe myself. I kept. I kept. You know, when and any time I was filling up, it was just like I was about to explode. You know, I did explode, and you know, I wish I dealt with things back then. You know, I really did. We wish, wish I spoke up about things because things could be a small bit, bit different today. But that doesn't say I'm not grateful for the position. I mean, you know, what I went through is after making me who I am today. You know, I'm 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 a good person today, and that's all because of the things I went through. And you know. When it comes to mental health and stuff like that, you know, obviously a lot of people who are listening to this and I'll probably play football and go to the gym and do all that type of stuff, you know. Football started off with me as it was everything to me, you know, it was it was my whole entire life. Yeah. Done everything for me, what I couldn't do for myself, like makes me feel good about myself and all because the only feelings I ever knew was, you know, that I was useless, that I was not good enough, I felt rejection, I felt all of that stuff. That's all I ever knew. And Football opened up a whole entire new world for me, and it gave me it gave me something to to drive for in life. You know, it was everything to me. And I played football all the time. I played with Kildare. I played with my club, and I played at my school. And it really was the only thing that really put a smile on my face when I was a kid. You know, and I got introduced to the gym then when I was in secondary school and stuff like that. And you know, the gym also was a was a massive help for me to deal with my mental health. You know, and when I say deal with my mental health, like I did a lot of running away from myself. It's the best way I describe it. You know, I ran from how I truly felt about things like my family and all the feelings I felt about myself. Football and the gym helped me get away from that because, you know, as a as a man or as a as a boy at the time, I would have thought, you know, for me, for a man to speak up, would have showed he was weak and I was afraid to say, put my hand up and say that I'm not okay, you know. So uh yeah, when I got introduced to the gym, when I got into secondary school, it was like, 
it made me feel better physically and mentally. You know, when you go to the gym, obviously you start making as they call it gains and stuff like that. But you know, I, I did start like starting to look good in myself. And when you start looking a bit good, it makes you feel a bit better. And yeah, the gym was just it was massive for me. You know, I would have trained six days a week and the problem was with all of this, you know, the gym is great. The fo- football is great. And all these things are great. These are things I do do for my mental health. Like, you know, right now it's what, it's what I like to do. I like to train to keep my mental health good and all that type of stuff. But I was using them and I wasn't talking. Now I'm using them and I am talking. So I'm using the gym and I'm using football now to deal with my mental health. But I'm also speaking to someone when I need to speak to someone. You know, that's, that's very important. And back then I used, the gym and football, it was like my, my short-term solution for my long-term problem. And what was going on inside my head was very long-term, you know, it was going to keep going on until I did start to deal with it. You know, and it only worked for so long until when I was I was 17, I got introduced to drugs. You know, I got introduced to cocaine when I was, obviously I drank alcohol and all before, but when I was at graduation, I got introduced to cocaine. And, you know, I, I fell in love with it. I won't lie, it, it was like, this was like, this was it now. This was, this was for me, you know. I couldn't go to the gym all day, every day. I couldn't play football all day, every day. But what I could do was use drugs all day, every day, and no one would know. And, you know, that that started, you know, a very, very serious downhill for me. You know, I started at the end of fifth year and I went on right through sixth year. And I ended up using during my leaving, sir. And shortly after my leaving, sir, you know, after that, into the summer of, 2000, 2018, yeah, the summer of 2018, I went from just using on weekends and maybe one or two days during the week when I was sneaking out and I went to using five, six days a week and, you know, the the rapid progression was crazy, you know, it would have been like a Friday night, then it would have been a Friday, Saturday night, then it would have been a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, missing work on the Monday and then I would have been having some drugs to go into work on the Monday to feel okay. And, you know, this... This broke me, you know, financially, spiritually, mentally. It really, really did ruin my life. Yeah, I had a very, very good job opportunities when I came out of school. You know, I was a good worker and stuff, but that wasn't to be my journey. I only had my mind on one thing, and that was when I was going to get my next drug. And, you know, in 2018, October 2018, I I ended up getting rushed into hospital from the drugs. No one had known about really about my drug using and how serious it was and it was only that day when you know I thought I was having a heart attack and I fell to the floor I had to explain to my mother what was going on and she called an ambulance for me and you know I held my ma's hand and I held my best friend's hand that day and said look if I die today I just want you to know that I love you and that didn't stop me I was in I went got rushed into hospital and you know I woke up and all the family at the end of the bed and I swore I'd never do it again and a week later, I was back out doing the exact same thing because, you know, the drugs had the drugs had become my best friend and also my master. You know, the best friend in the sense that anytime I took drugs, it told me that I was okay and I could deal with everything and everything was fine. And my master, that when I wanted to stop taking them, it wouldn't let me stop taking them. You know, so it was a best friend and an enemy at the same time. But early on, I didn't see it as an enemy because I didn't know anything about addiction. You know, I didn't know any anything other than taking drugs and thinking it was okay and even after I went to hospital I still thought you know it was reasonable I still thought it was okay but you know I learned shortly after that it wasn't because you know I had lost many jobs 
I had woken up in the hospital after around 20,000 euro out to drug dealers. You know, I just, I couldn't stop. You know, I'd, it's all I knew then, you know, was taking drugs every day of the week, escaping how I truly felt. You know, because I hadn't dealt with these problems that had been going on all my life, you know, the drugs just took away all my problems, you know, and very shortly after that time in the hospital, you know, back in when it went on 2019, the drugs, the drugs quickly stopped working. You know, I was taking a very, very serious amount of drugs and they stopped working after a short time and I was left lying in bed with all these crazy thoughts, with all these drugs and I stopped doing everything that I used to do at the start. But on top of it, stopped doing what I was doing. You know, normally you would stop taking them. I couldn't stop taking them. You know, that's that's how serious my addiction was. And my addiction still is, you know, I'm still am an addict, a recovering addict. And that's what I need to know now, that I can never drink or take drugs again because if I do, I'm going to end up exactly where I left off. Where I left off was, you know, trying to take my own life. And I'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, so in, in 2019, I was just constantly using and, you know, I felt suicidal before and all as as a kid. Like before I ever started using drugs, my mental health had had me really bad. Like I, I used to self-harm a lot as a child. I used to think about taking my own life the whole time. But as a kid, I never really had the good stick. You know, I thought about a million ways how to take my own life and I, I'd harm myself, my wrists, my chest and everything. I'd done all that. But, you know, it was, it was too cowardly to take my own life back then, you know. I just, I just kept soldiering on and, thought everything would just go away. My problems did never go away. And that's for anyone, like your problems aren't going to go away unless you deal with them. And that's just from my experience, you know. I, I went on 17, 18 years without talking. And for them whole, for that whole time, none of my problems ever went away. And uh, so Mother's Day 2019, uh, I had been on a session for about three days. And, you know, I hadn't slept and stuff like that. You know, I never would have got a lot of sleep and addiction. I slept a couple of hours a week, you know, five, six, eight, eight hours a week. That's all I would have slept, you know. And that let, let me into psychosis and psychotic event and stuff like that, you know. I, I, I went through a really bad time. But in 2019, on Mother's Day, you know, that's when my world fell around me. I'd, I'd been on a session with the lads and they all went home and they told me to come with them. And, you know, I refused saying I was going to get a bit of sleep and I'd, I'd see my mom when, I felt a little bit better. You know, I had no intentions of going and seeing my mom. I had no intentions of going to sleep. The only intentions I had was uh, taking my own life. You know, that's that's where drug taking brought me. You know, drugs had done this to me. You know, at 19, year, 19 years of age, finally about to take my own life. And You know, I walked back and forth from the Liffey where I was and I was taking off a piece of clothing and taking off a piece of clothing and I was screaming my eyes out crying. You know, I've never cried that much in my whole entire life. Boy was crying and crying and crying, saying, you know, someone please come, will someone come save me because I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I sat by Liffy about to take my own life and by the grace of God I was I was saved that day, you know. I had been pulled along I got pulled along the along the muck on the ground and my best friend wrapped his arms around me and you know, it was the first time in my life I actually felt safe. And I just kept crying and I kept holding on to myself for comfort because I, I'd, I'd actually never felt so alone in my life. The feeling of loneliness that day, I, I will never be able to ever describe. 
as long as I live. I don't think I'll ever be able to describe how lonely I felt that day. You know, I held on to myself for comfort, and in the back of the in the on the way to back to my friend's house, and all I did was in the back of the car just hold on to myself and cry and cry and cry, and then I got taken to hospital, and I knew something had to change that day. You know, that was that was like my rebirth. You know, I believe if my friend hadn't came back that day, I, I wouldn't I genuinely don't think I would be here today. You know, I, I didn't fear I didn't fear dying. I only feared living. Because living had become, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, a young fella who loved to play football and go to the gym. To a nineteen year old at the side of the Livy about to take his own life and you know, that's when you know something has to change. And, I got introduced to re in, got introduced to rehab, you know, I got told about it and that's when I knew I had to give this a shot because if I didn't do it, the doctor said you will be dead in the next couple of months if you keep going the way you're going, you know. I'd lost a lot of weight, problems with my heart. I was going into psychotic events and them psychotic events could have led to anything. I had very, very bad paranoia. I couldn't leave my house, I couldn't walk to the shop. I couldn't do any I couldn't do any of the little simple things in life. You know, all I could do was sit in my house with my curtains closed. And I knew something had to change and it did, you know, and I applied to go into rehab and it was took me eight weeks to actually get in there. And I had to keep ringing every week just to show them to know that I actually wanted to go in and I actually wanted to change. And I was using all the way up until I went into rehab. But, you know, I got introduced to a drug counsellor before I got into rehab and it was from the Halo U project. It's down here in Kildare and Mason. That was the first time properly I opened up about how I felt and the same the same around the same time I would have opened up to a psychiatrist in Mace Hospital and she wrote fifteen full around fifteen full pages about exactly how I told her I felt and what was going on in my life and you know, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. You know, why hadn't I done this before? Why hadn't I just talked to someone? Now, why hadn't I just said, look, I messed up, I need help. I didn't because I didn't. I went on this my whole life putting on the macho man, the big man that I can do this, I can do that. But really inside, I was sensitive and, you know, I was full of fear. But that led me with, you know, or not even coping mechanisms, but they left me with defensive mechanisms. You know, all this fear had made me very defensive. And, you know, that's why I had to play this role and I had to use my ego because I couldn't have anyone see the real me, the real sensitive type of person I was. I couldn't have anyone see that because I didn't want to break. You know, I, I put it on for too long. I put on this mask and I, I had way too much fear of taking it down. But, you know, when you come to try to take your own life, you're going to soon, you know, I soon did realise that I had to take this mask down and I, I had to start talking and I had to really let in and show people who I really was. And today who I really am is just a kind, loving person who wants the best for people. You know, when I did do my talk and I talked about my use of drugs, I talked about my family problems, I talked about my mental health problems, I talked about absolutely everything because until I started getting all that out on the table, nothing was going to change. And I went into rehab and, you know, I would continue to talk in there and I continued to build foundation for myself continued to build the courage to speak to other people I learned a lot I learned that there's plenty of people out there who want the best for me and for my whole life I thought the world was against me I really did I thought that someone had it out for me I really really did I really thought someone had it out for me I, I remember screaming crying one time out in my back garden 
saying, why is this happening to me? All I'm trying to do is be a good kid, but why is this happening to me? You know, I really, really felt like the world was against me. But I did learn a treatment that I wasn't. And there was plenty, plenty of human beings like myself who just wanted to help me. And I got everything I needed in that treatment centre. You know, absolutely everything I needed. I got the ability to be able to got the ability to be able to walk again, talk again. I got the ability to be able to do all these things because I had lost all my skills in the you know, I really had. I lost absolutely everything. And uh well anyway, I'll continue. So yeah, when I went into treatment, uh, obviously I, I went in and I went in for five months. So residential treatment is like you're not allowed to leave. So I was down I was down in Limerick for five months. I was down in Limerick for five months and uh, I wasn't allowed to leave. I got four visits from my family. I had one phone call every Sunday for 15 minutes to my family. And, you know, it's sort of what I needed. You know, I had to change. And being down there made me realise that I, I did really need to change. And that's what I did. You know, I, I went in on July 19th and, you know, I've been free from drugs and alcohol ever since which is July 19th or July 17th, 2019. And my life has completely changed. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid to talk today. You know, I had a bad week last week and things were getting really, really bad for me. And instead of me taking the easy option, which is, you know, a lot of people know this, the easy option would have been for me to probably go drink, go have a few drinks or go do a line of coke or something like that or, you know, run away from it. But I didn't. I picked up the phone and rang someone who was close to me and said, look, I am messed up here. And I just explained everything that was going on for me. And, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say a magic potion happened and I was automatically better, but it did help. It helped a lot. And I've been building on it. And, you know, I've been really good the last while. And it's all down to just, for me, it's all down to speaking to someone. I, I really believe, a problem shared is a problem halved. You know, if you have problems going on in your head, if you share that with another person, you're really, really half on the problems going on. You know, we can we can spend a lot of time thinking in our head that nobody wants to listen to us and nobody cares about us and people don't need our stress and we don't want to be putting problems onto people and all these little things. But in my experience, when I talk to people, they've actually been grateful that I talk because they rather see me talk to them than something go and happen to me in a couple of weeks' time that they don't ever get to see me again. And I say that, and I know it sounds very bizarre, and I know it sounds very serious, but there's plenty of plenty of people who've took their own lives over mental health and over drug addiction and stuff like that. And that's why it needs to be talking about seriously. You know, a person's mind is your enemy. You know, but if you work on it, it can it can become a type of friend, a frenemy, you know. My mind was my enemy for a lot of the time. You know, I, I could never think positive. But every day I work on programming my mind and I work, you know, I work positively in my mind to try. It's like, how do you, it's like going to the gym. You know, if you're doing repetition, repetition, you're getting stronger, you're getting stronger. If you do repetition, repetition with your mind, you know, constantly putting positive thoughts through anytime a negative thought comes through put a positive thought on that and another positive thought on that and another positive thought on that. You're going to build. And that's what I do, you know. Only for last week that I had there, them couple of bad days. Like, I haven't had a bad time since I came into recovery and that's that's nearly two years now. And 
you know, I, I just think I got a bit complacent and stuff like that. And I stopped doing the things I was meant to be doing. And that's why my mind went again. But I'm back doing all the things that I'm meant to be doing. And I'm back working on myself and talking to other people. And that's that's the only the only thing I can help. And that's the only thing I believe that will keep me better is talking to other people and working on myself and working on my mind. and You know, putting myself first because I, I really do matter. You know, I, I know I do matter today. I, I believed I didn't matter when I was a kid. You know, I believed... I believed I was worthless, I was useless, and I wanted that got to do me, but I do believe it matter. And yeah, so today life is good. You know, of all the things I've ever dreamed of, you know, I never thought, I never thought any woman would want to be with me because of the horrible, horrible person I was. And now I have the most beautiful girlfriend that I could ever imagine downstairs, and we both live together. You know, that that to me, that that makes me emotional in a way because, you know. I didn't. I treated women, and I say I don't say this a lot, but I treated women very, very badly when I was in addiction. Now I know, I no respect for women. I really, really didn't. You know, I believe that no woman would ever want to be with me. And now I have, I've an absolutely amazing girlfriend, and we've an absolutely amazing future ahead of ourselves. And, you know, I finally got my license, and I finally got a car, and I, I finally have a good relationship with my mom, and I have a good relationship with my family, and you know. I can be accountable today. You know, my ma can ring me. My ma can ring me tonight and say, here, Connor, can you come home and babysit your sister tomorrow because something's going on? She can ring me today and say that to me. But back then, there's no way she would have even let me be in the house with the child on my own. You know, that's how I'm accountable today. That's all down to me dealing with my addiction and obviously dealing with my mental health as well. You know, addiction is addiction was more, more of my, like obviously mental health, was a massive problem for me before addiction and mental health is is one of the problems that led to my addiction but addiction is was a very very big problem to me and you know I need to stay on top of my mental health to deal with my addiction because if my head's gone you know it it, it can send me back to using so uh yeah that's yeah life's life's absolutely brilliant today you know I'm back even playing football and I'm back down I'm back down to the gym and I'm going to be starting up doing presentations and going into schools and stuff like that and I have a job that I actually haven't been fired from. You know, it's, it's, it's funny to say, you know, I went through five or six jobs in the space of one year. And now I have a job that I got into last June. And, you know, the only reason I've ever missed a day is that either I was actually sick or the whole coronavirus thing with people having to get tested in my household. Like, other than that, I've never had to ring them on a Monday morning at five or six o'clock and say, here, yeah, look, I'm sick today. I can't come in. I don't have to do that anymore. You know, they can they can rely on me. They can rely on me to come in on the Monday morning now, and, and that's that's it. Just being just being a productive member of society is what I am today. And once I can do that, I'm absolutely happy with that. You know. Yeah, and um, obviously you were on Davy's toughest team. How did you actually get into that? Did you apply somewhere or? Uh, so uh, I went to, as I, I said uh, earlier on, I went to counselling in the Halo U project, the Mason. I came out with treatment, and a week later, I had uh, went into the count to my counsellor just to visit her and say hello and stuff like that. So I remember the manager goes, "Connor, I have something for you." And I was like, "What is it?" And he showed me this leaflet and printed it off, and I read it, and it said, uh, "RT are looking for the seven or eight young men to." go to every space camp and it's all about facing life's challenges and stuff like that 
I've seen it and the inner critic and the inner addict in me, which always tells me I'm not good enough, was saying, ah, don't, don't, don't apply for that. Like, you're not going to get that and all. But, you know, in my heart, I was like, you know, give it a go. Why, why not? You know, why not give it a go? And I applied for it with a five minute video and they got back to me and then I had to do another interview and they got back to me. And then a couple of weeks later, I was in Dublin in the studio and they said, look, we'll let you know in a couple of days. And I remember it was, I think it was a, a Friday. I don't remember the day, but what I do remember is I was outside my little sister's school, collecting my little sister from school. And we were walking home and I got the call that was going to be a part of the TV show and it was going to be on TV. And I was given a chance to share my story. And it was, you know, it was magical. You know, I believe my higher power. You know, I have a higher, I have a higher power in my life. I do believe that there's something above me, greater than me, and that keeps me clean today. And I do believe that, you know, I do believe that I was meant to be with my little sister for a reason. When that happened, you know, it was it was a beautiful, beautiful moment in my life when I got that phone call. And yeah, that, that's that's how it happened. And I was delighted when I got picked that I really, really was. And only for them and the Halo U project as well. And Ace, like they were the massive reason I got into treatment. And when they gave they gave me the leaflet and you know, it was just it just it just worked, you know. I believe obviously I was on that show for a reason, and that's why I'm I'm here for a reason as well, you know, and that's to, to spread my message. Yeah, um, and obviously Davy, he's a massive character in the GA and everything worldwide. Like he always lets his voice known. What's he like behind the scenes? Yeah, so people, people, even when I was I was walking into the shop there uh, not too long ago, and someone, some, uh, some older guy turned around to me and said, "What's Davy like off camera and all?" And I think people expect me to say that he's a bad person off camera. So that's that's the energy I get off people. And when I turn around and say he's the exact same off camera that he is on camera, I said, that fella stayed up with us until 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, telling us stories and talking to us without any cameras there. And they're like, what? Well. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the type of person he is. You know, he's really... The word, the word I use is passionate. That's the one word, that the first word that always comes to mind about Davey is passionate. He's very, very, very passionate about what he does. He, he loves what he does. You know, he, he really does. And you get that feeling around him that he just wants the best for you and he just wants the best for everyone else. And he was like that off camera as well. You know, me and Davey had many, many chats. He was the one who put the the business idea of me going into schools and doing presentations and stuff. And, you know, he really did. He was a massive help to me. You know, he made me see things of myself that I could never see because, you know, I, a lot of the time, I would think I'm, I'm I'm perfect, you know. I, I want to be perfect anyway, but you made me realize that I'm not going to be perfect, and I, I accept that, you know. I have to just go for progress, not perfection. I needed to slow down and all that type of stuff, and he gave me all these tools, and I'm very very grateful for him, you know. I'm really grateful that he was he was brought on my journey, and you know, there's there's not a bad word I can say about him. There's really not. I, I really really like the guy. He's a really really good lad, and you know, he really really was a massive help to me. Um, obviously lock, lockdown has been tough for everyone but did that show keep you going in kind of some sort of sense yeah like we never I never knew what was going to happen you know we never we never knew what was going to happen with anything you know we could only hope and that was a word that was also used but you know I knew I knew in my heart that this TV show would be finished I, I knew it because 
I just did. I knew it because financially I knew that RT were going to because they had started it and I knew they weren't going to finish it. The, the TV show was definitely something that kept me going during lockdown because I was still doing videos and it was always on my mind and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I didn't really struggle. I didn't struggle in the first lockdown. The lock, first lockdown was actually was actually really good for me. You know, gave me time to start reading and start training out the back and enjoying the nice weather and stuff. And, you know, I didn't struggle with it. But the TV show was definitely a, a big thing for me in the first lockdown because, you know, we were meant to fly away in, in March or something like that. And that's when the lockdown happened. So the people were continuously keeping in contact with us. So they were keeping us in good spirits as well. So yeah, the TV show was was definitely something that kept me going through that lockdown. Um, is there a certain quote that you live by when the going gets tough? There are certain quote I live by when they go and get so it's not it's not really a quote, but like it's just something I always say, like I always just say, like if I can be the best Connor Harris I can be, that's all I want because all I want is to be me and I want to do things for me and I don't I wanna I obviously want to do things for other people, but I just want to be the best version of myself. You know, I, I, I tried too long to be something for other people and it, it doesn't work. So it's not really a quote, but I always say, I just want to be the best Connor Harris I can be. Yeah, perfect. And um, is there any advice that you have for anyone that could be going through the same thing as what you did? Yeah, well, when it comes to mental health, like just, just speak out, really. I know it can be hard to find someone to speak out to because when it comes to family and it comes to friends, you don't want to, I know the feeling around you don't want to worry your family. I know the reason that you don't want to seem stupid or silly or, you know, to your friends. I, I, I understand them feelings because it's exactly how I felt. But if you just trust in yourself, trust in something that your family only wants the best for you and your friends only want the best for you. If you, you can manage to speak out to one of them, it definitely, definitely will help. And, you know, for anyone who's, who's struggling with drugs, it's 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 pretty simple. If if you can if you can go out on a night out, you know, and if you can have a few points and go home, then 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 you're fairly alright. But if you find yourself going out and not, not being able to stop and not being able to go home on that Friday night and being out until that Saturday and that Sunday, and you find yourself using whatever it is, drink, drugs, tablets, any of that stuff, and you find that you actually can't stop. You know, my advice is you need to need to look at it like obviously that you have some sort of problem and that problem is affecting you. And if you notice it's for next or if you, if you notice it's affecting your work and your your financially and spiritually and mentally, that's that's when you know things sort of need to change. And my best advice is start off with maybe a drug counselor and see what's going on. You know, find out what you suffer with because I know what I suffer with. That's addiction. And if you're anything like me you know, what you need is to get to a drug counsellor and maybe, you know, start looking at rehab or start looking at fellowship meetings and stuff like that because drug addiction is harder to speak out about against mental health because you might think people think you're a bad person because you take drugs or you drink, but you're, you're not, you know, you're just someone who's on a journey that got caught up in the wrong stuff and you're not, you're nothing you're able to do about that. 
you well nothing you can do to change that, but you can change what you do going forward, you know, and that that's all you need to do. So that's my best advice I can give for both of them. And you know, obviously you just know who I am from Davies Toughest Team, you know, I have social media platform, Instagram, if anyone ever needs a chat, don't be afraid, you know yourself, Ryan, you texted me and I've always got back in. It's the same with anyone else. Like if anyone needs that and if you need to dig out or anything like that, don't be afraid to, to get in contact with me. I've no problem talking to anyone. Perfect. Um, so I think that's just about all we've time for. But um, thanks very much for coming on again, Connor. And it really means a lot to us. Yeah, no, that's no problem. I was, I was glad to do it. Yeah, I hope you all get on well in, in school and enjoy enjoy your school years. You know, that kind of way I, I did enjoy school. I did enjoy school for playing football anyway. But just enjoy school and keep safe and, you know, speak out. Do speak out because it can change how your life goes on going forward. Perfect. Um, well, we wish you all the best for the future anyway, Connor. All right. Thanks very much, Ryan. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. I'd once again like to say a massive thank you to Connor for being really open and honest about his experiences. Make sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter at Coleman's Podcast to keep up to date with all our episodes. And also have a look at our website, Coleman'sPodcast.com. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in next time. You know I'm back like I never left. Another sprint, another step, another step, another day, another breath, another breath. Been chasing dreams, but I never slept. I never slept. I got a new attitude than a lease on life is a peace of mind. Seeking to find I can sleep when I die. Want a piece of the pie, got the keys to the ride and shit. I'm straight. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Get up my way. I'm running late. What can I say? I heard you die twice. Once when they bury you in the grave And the second time is the last time that somebody mentions your name So when I leave here on this earth Did I take more than I gave? Did I look out for the people? Or did I do it all for fame? Legend is exodus Searching for euphoria Judging through the mud to find the present No ignoring us Got 20,000 deep up in the street Like we some warriors My mama told me never bow your head Whoa. I feel
Sí.